Today's scripture comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. It's printed in your bulletin. If you'll follow along with me, it's from the 28th chapter, verses 16 through 20. These are familiar words for us as it is a call for each of us to share the good news. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These words are part of the founding verses that um, undergird the ministry of Global Partners in Life. Many of you know Bo as John and Claudette's son, and I know we've got a proud dad right here in the front. <laughs> um, he got some hands raising there. Um, and so we are, um, many of you know him, but um, Greg and Fede and Kelly Ritter are um, foreign missions uh, liaison on our missions team. Um, we have had a chance to sit down with Greg, uh, with, with Bo, um, for some lunches and to talk through the things that are going on. It is so exciting to hear what the Holy Spirit is doing, especially in 2020. We need a breath of wind and a breath of fire to see that God is alive. And I believe you will see that when you, when you hear from Bo this morning, um, and if you want to participate in, um, in helping with the ministry of Global Partners in Life as an above and beyond offering, we would love to have you do that, and we'll make sure that that opportunity is available for you online. I'm going to turn it over to Bo, let him tell you a little bit more about himself and his lovely wife who is here today with him, and um, then he's going to share with us. So um, open your heart to what God is doing. Thank you very much. It's both an honor and a privilege to be here with you. And yes, I am the uh, son of John and Claudette Sides and the brothers of Tony. I claim them. I don't know if they claim me. So growing up as a son of John Sides, I had to be a sports fan. So I played a little bit of basketball. And I played, uh, I had a friend named Dennis who played in college in Wisconsin where he's from. And Dennis had a friend who... His job was to send sports teams anywhere in the world that had initiated a request to have a sports team come and visit them. And these were always going to foreign countries. So the friend asked Dennis if he could get a group to go to a university in China. Dennis said yes, and he invited me. We had no idea what to expect about going to China. So in 2002, a group of us went to a university, and we spoke to the English majors, and we played a lot of basketball. And we were just blown away with the new culture, Uh, just the people that were very kind and accepting. 
We got to see these students making some great decisions about their lives. So when we returned, I was just consumed with wanting to go back. When I did things that took a long time, like driving to work, cutting the grass, or shampooing, that's where my mind was. And so I stayed in touch with the university, and they said, we will make this easy for you. We'd love you to come back for two years. I'm like, ooh, I don't believe I could do two years. And they said, no problem, we'll make it easy for you. One year. I'm like, I don't believe I could do that either. And they said, well, the shortest thing we could possibly do would be one semester, which was five months. So I got a kitchen pass from my wife, Leah, a leave of absence from work. In fact, dumb and happy, here I am going to China to be a college professor. And if you knew anything at all about my academic history, you would find some irony in this. So this, this first slide, this is um, a freshman class I had. Usually I had 50 students in each class. And I know they do not look old enough to be in college to us, but they really were. And one day, one of the young ladies was just really sad. And I asked her if everything was okay. And she told me that there had been a horrible fire in an illegal fireworks factory a little over an hour away from our campus and that many people had died. It just so happens that that afternoon, the uh, foreign language department was having a teacher's meeting and we asked the dean of the department about this fire. And they said, oh yes, it's true, it was horrible. Many people died and 20 children became orphans that day. And it's such a rural area, there is no orphanage to take these children in. So literally, local villagers or distant family members were bringing these children into their home. So as I talked about this with some of the other foreign teachers, we said, man, we got to help these kids out. we got to make sure that they get through high school. So we agreed that we were going to provide the funding for their school fees, school supplies, and uniforms until they graduated high school, regardless of what age they were. And they were all different ages. So um, this next slide will be a picture of three of the little boys. Um, I, I got to meet all of them. I'm very fortunate in that regard. And then the next slide is uh, a few years after we had started supporting them, we started doing more and more for them. We were buying them coats, hats, gloves, socks. I promise you it's cold there. And we were also giving just a little bit of money to the families that had taken them in for food. So when I returned home from this trip, uh, God was working on my heart. And I came across a verse in the Bible that I just absolutely could not get out of my mind. And that was the first part of James 127, which loosely translated says the type of religion that's pleasing to God is taking care of orphans and widows. So as I was praying, fasting, seeking wise counsel, trying to figure all this out, I I just told God, you know, I don't know any widows, and the only orphans I know are in China. Do you want me to go to China? <laughs> so uh, through a, an amazing series of events, I started a nonprofit organization called Global Partners in Life, and we... When I went and got another teaching job in China, I started telling some of the other teachers about 
the orphans from the illegal fireworks factory fire. And they said, wow, every Wednesday morning we go to an orphanage here in this town and just kind of volunteer and do some activities with them. Would you like to go? So I said, yeah, sure. So Wednesday morning came, we loaded up, and when we walked in the door, it was like a sea of children rushing toward us with their arms up, wanting to be picked up and held. Well, I grabbed a couple of them and started walking around the room, and I realized that they had neglected to tell me something very important. When you're a college professor, you can pick up on things like this. And what they didn't tell me was that this was a special need orphanage. And the Chinese lady you see in the center of that picture, she has a beautiful story. She had a dream that a baby with wings flew to her and asked her to take care of it. So she was volunteering at a local orphanage, and she realized, gosh, I think I could give these kids a little better treatment at my own home than what they're getting here. So she just started bringing some of them home with her. She got a little bit of notoriety for that. The hospital started calling her directly. She got a little more notoriety, more children. Um, And as the more and more children were abandoned in the hospitals that had special needs, uh, she just kept adding to her collection of children there at her home that she was taking care of. And then she was asked to speak at a conference in Shanghai. And when she did... She called for reform on how China educates and treats special need orphans. When she returned back to her home, the government came in, removed all the children from her, and they took her business license because they did not like her calling for reform openly like that. So I've taken many groups to China to volunteer at this special need orphanage. There's been as many as 33 children living in her three-bedroom apartment. One of those bedrooms is a storage room and her office, so it's really 33 children uh, in a two-bedroom apartment. And so we do activities, as you can imagine, that don't get a whole lot of individualized attention. So those children are just so happy if you're just holding them in your lap flipping through a book with them, letting them look at pictures, and they'll point things out to you. Uh, just pretty neat. So this is, next slide is another group that we took, and again, there have been several. And then this little girl, uh, in China, when you need to have surgery, you have to pay cash up front. Sometimes that's very difficult for this special need orphanage to come up with that kind of cash. So I'm very thankful to tell you that Global Partners in Life was in a position to pay for this girl's heart surgery. She had a hole in her heart. Her lips were blue, her fingernails were blue, and um, I'm thankful to tell you that she thrived after this surgery. She's been adopted and now lives in Mississippi. So there's several other things we do for this orphanage. We pay for their utilities, the adult supervision, the food they eat, their toiletries, cleaning supplies. And in this picture, you can tell we bought them a van. And we did that for three main reasons. One, if they ever had a medical emergency, she could get them to the hospital quicker. She did not need to wait for a taxi or a bus. 
Also, when it snowed, and it does that a lot there, it, um, she didn't have to have the kids out walking in the snow for school. And on those special days when they had to all get shots for school, she could load them all up and take them all at one time. This is a, a very interesting wall in the um, special needs orphanage. And not all the children that have been there, but many of them have their photograph on this wall. And that's just really uh, touching to see. This little boy um, is a great example of how your contributions to this church and to your mission team are literally having life-changing impact. For this little boy, not only does he have a cleft palate, but he has um, in two places. And since my time with the Special Needs Orphanage, I've learned that to correct a cleft palate, it usually requires three surgeries. The first one closes the lip, the second one closes the gum, and the third one, when they're a little older, will close the gap in the roof of their mouth. And so in this next photograph, you can see what a difference you've made in this little boy's life. Um, he is healthy now, he is growing, and he can eat regular food. So I was speaking with the leader one day, and she mentioned, I have three sinks in the bathroom for the children, and only one of them works. So I said, well, let's, let's go in and look around, and believe me, there were other issues there. Um, <laughs> and we decided that we really needed to do a gut job on this bathroom for her to make it more usable. So, I mean, we, we stripped it down to the bricks, put in all new tile, uh, new sinks here, three of them work. One of them's large enough for her to put a baby in it for a bath. And the next slide shows the shower and a bathtub, all new. On the far wall, there's a window that faces north. And I know I've already mentioned it gets cold there, but it gets really cold there. So we also put heat lamps up over the shower. After we did the bathroom, we, we spoke with the uh, leader of the special needs orphanage about the kitchen. Now, I'm not a tall person, and I could stand flat-footed and reach up and touch the ceiling. It was that low. And when you did, you would get grease on your fingers because the only way they could cook, they had a two-burner propane gas stovetop. And so we were thinking, you know, gosh, if they had an oven, they could bake some food, and these kids wouldn't eat all fried food. Also, the layout was just uh, not very efficient. She didn't have much storage. She didn't have much counter space. Um, so we decided we would remodel the kitchen after we did the bathroom. And this shows you a new refrigerator, new stovetop, and the oven. But we asked her, what do you want most? And she told us a dishwasher. So we said, why dishwasher? She said, right now, when one child gets sick, they all get sick. I have no way to sterilize her dishes. So I understood exactly after she told us that. So the next slide, you can see the dishwasher in the lower right. Uh, a lot of more cabinets, a larger window so it's more open and bright. And by the way, that's her brother-in-law. He comes in and cooks for the kids, and he also has a special needs son.
So now we're back in the city where the university was, and all the kids from the fireworks factory fire have gotten out of high school. And we stayed in touch with a women's auxiliary unit. That was who was uh, telling us what grade the kids were in, who they were living with. They could even tell us how, what kind of grades they were making, who their teacher was. And they said, we want to see if you can help us again. All the other children are gone now, but we found another pocket of orphans that are all girls and they're north of the city in a rural area and all these children all these girls were abandoned by their parents just because they were girls the parents were poor and they didn't want to spend their money educating a girl when in a few years when they got married the parents would say she's become someone else's burden so I said yes we will help these girls get an education so there's a 20 girls there north of the city that were getting through high school now. By the way, most of, most of them are 14 years old and they certainly don't look it. So I can tell you that the next slide, <laughs> um, this is the first widow we started supporting in China. And her story is her husband fell from the sixth floor of a construction site and did not survive. From that day, his family has not spoken to this widow or offered any assistance to her or their two daughters. They feel that she has disgraced them by not giving them a grandson so they have nothing to do with any of the girls. So this, um, this widow, I have a, an American friend that literally met her dumpster diving in my friend's apartment complex. So my friend asked her, uh, you know, what are you doing? And she says, well, here's my situation. My two daughters and I live in a storage unit. It's about eight feet by eight feet. And we have no electricity, no water, no heat. We do have one cot, and we alternate who gets to sleep on the cot. So my friend said, listen, come to my apartment, and I will get you some blankets and pillows and anything else I can find. And when the widow came in, she started crying. And my friend said, are you okay? And she said, yes. I'm fine. Please don't take this the wrong way, but I realize that your dog lives a better life than I do. She, um, she also has a health condition. And when we first started supporting her, she wasn't using all the money uh, for her health. She was trying to get her daughters educated. So we went back and said, listen, we will give you more money with the agreement that you're going to start buying your medicine that you need. She agreed, and she is doing very well now, I'm thankful to say. So after serving in China for many years, I feel like God was releasing me to serve in other places. So staying true to our founding scripture of taking care of orphans and widows, I did some research, and I found that the worst condition for orphans in the world 
was in India. So I had helped a friend start a nonprofit, and I knew that he had spent some time in India with it. So I reached out to him, and he said, listen, I'm going to be there in August. So if you will come over then, I will introduce you to a pastor I partner with named Biswajit Pani. And you can make a good contact, check out the ministry he does, which dovetails nicely with what you do, and um, we'll see what happens. So it just so happens I got there during the monsoon season, and if you haven't ever experienced that, you don't know what you're missing. It's, it's amazing. So this, Biswajit has a ministry that helps widows in the slums, and this, um, we were walking up to this area, and Biswajit was telling me about this lady whose house was, uh, her, whose house is here, and I'm going, man, all I see is a debris field, and we kept walking, and um, as you can see, this is what is left of this widow's house, and she uses her house there in the slums for people to come in and they study the Bible together. So the lady on the right with the black and purple scarf, that's the widow. And she just has such a difficult story to understand. Her husband died from tuberculosis. And that is very common in the slums in India. They have five daughters and her youngest is a deaf mute. She needs to have surgery to correct her hearing and they think that her speech will come around after that. And I asked this lady, much like what Brooke talked about a few minutes ago, how she and her daughters were coping. How were you making it after your house was literally ripped in half? And she said, we have the joy of God in our hearts and that's all we need. So, as I looked around what was left of her house, I realized that what she saved were a couple of Bibles. And that was about it. They really didn't have much else at all. So, Bizwajit works with three orphanages. This first one, it specializes in infants and newborns. And it's a very clean and nice facility, but they can only hold ten children there at a time. They've done a great job of getting these children healthy and adopted, and they've even done some international adoptions out of there. This next slide shows you the first 12 children that they had adopted out of this orphanage. The next slide, it's um, a unique orphanage in that this widget was telling me about eight orphans that were in a school that they started. And these orphans had been sponsored all their lives by churches in Germany. And the churches in Germany have been in that area long enough to know that in India, most people's education stops at the 10th grade. So Biswajit asked if Global Partners in Life would help get these children through the 11th and 12th grade, which they call plus one and plus two. So in India, if you go to plus one and plus two, then you can go to college. If you don't go to plus one and plus two, there's no way you can go to college. And if you go to plus one and plus two and don't go to college, you can still get a much better job 
have a better career than someone that doesn't go to plus one and plus two. So uh, we are, this young lady will be a senior in high school this year. We're, we're putting her and seven others through school. This is an amazing story and one we just don't hear about here. This is a third orphanage, and as you can guess, it's called the Shalom Cottage. It's in an extremely rural area called Guma. And the, um, there are 37 boys that live there. Every one of them had their parents killed by radicalized Hindus simply because their parents were Christians. And this, this story is just amazing to me. We don't hear about things like that here, but believe me, it's very real. It does happen. So in the same area, in Guma, Biswajit has a ministry for elderly widows that all have health problems. And we had lunch with these ladies. We gave them all some new clothes, a little bit of pocket money. And I got to meet them all. I know every lady you see there. I got to hear their stories. And the lady front row left, um, man, the amount of crying she was doing when she told her story, it, it, it was memorable. And when her son kicked her out of the house, he punched her in the mouth and knocked a tooth out. In that culture, the oldest son should take care of the mother. Well, like I said, Guma is crazy rural. There's only brick making, being a shepherd, and day labor when you can find it. So having another mouth to feed in your house really is a, quite a challenge for them. So I told Bizwidget, man, my heart just goes out to these ladies. I really want to help them. And he's like, yeah, me too. And I said, I'm talking about something permanent like a home for him. He goes, yeah, me too. And um, that's Bizwidget standing beside me there. Um, really a happy, jolly guy. And he said, listen, we own land right here beside the Shalom Cottage. And he said, if you could help us fund it, we have the land and it'll save a lot of money in building a facility for these ladies. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So we cut down a bunch of cashew trees. Dad, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, and here you can see the boys from the Shalom Cottage marking off where this building is going to be. And they actually helped drag the limbs off from the uh, trees that were cut down. There are two churches kind of close to the area that have agreed if we build this facility, they're going to help provide volunteers to help these widows with the health problems. And they actually sent people over to dig the footings for the building to save us money. So this is uh, some of the progress that's been made on this facility. Unfortunately, the government came in and shut it down due to the coronavirus, and they're struggling with that in India. So we're, we're hopeful that uh, someday soon we'll get this uh, ball rolling again and get this facility completed for the widows. 
shared with a friend of mine that works with a very large international adoption agency that I'd had a vision about doing some work in Central or South America. And I asked him if he had any contacts there for me. He gave me three names. I reached out to all of them, and only one of them responded. So I figured he must be the guy I'm supposed to work with. So ironically, he grew up in Cartersville, Georgia. His name is Mike Kennedy, and he's been a pastor in Peru for over 20 years. And this uh, photograph is of an orphanage he started called New Life Children's Home. And next slide, please. As you can see, it's a compound. It's got walls all around so the children are safe. They have a great place to play and exercise. They put Bible verses in, in many languages on the walls there. And they have just a phenomenal family feel at this orphanage. So here they are celebrating one of the children's birthdays. And they have a goal, which is amazing to me. They want to have one nanny for every four orphans. And uh, depending on how their funding is going, they, they keep that. It's very clean. They have... Um, they make the kids clean their rooms and everything, and the nannies that live there help them clean. They have uh, cooks, and they have a maintenance staff, so it really is a, a nice facility. One of the other things that Mike's does is he's found a company that can build a house very inexpensively. So he builds houses for widows. So he can call this company, and they use good material a lot better than anybody else, um, and say, I need a house 18 feet by 9 feet is what most of them are, delivered to whatever location. And in about a week, a truck pulls up. It has two guys doing the delivery, and Mike can have a couple of guys there. And they get these prefab walls together. So it has the exterior and studs in it. And they just bolt those walls together, put a roof on, and they put in the windows and the doors. And in about three hours, a formerly homeless widow has a home. They do that for $1,000. And I'm so thankful for this church because uh, in just the last couple of months, through your church, you're giving to the church and the missions team. You've paid for two widows in Senegalia, Peru, to have a home that would not have had a home otherwise. So thank you. One of the things Mike does is when he presents the widow with the home, he gives them a Bible. And um, next slide. So I feel so grateful, not only for your time today to let me come and speak, but also for your continued support. Uh, it's been over a decade that you have been supporting Global Partners in Life, and I hope that um, now you feel like you're getting a good return on your investment. And I will be more than happy to stand around here and answer any questions you have. And again, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today and your support.